Hi, and welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and if you're looking for a bargain-priced used vehicle, then stick around because in today's episode, I'll tell you why you need to consider buying a cockroach for your next used car or truck. Now, you're probably wondering, what is this guy talking about? What does he mean by a cockroach used car? Well, in a moment, I'll explain what a cockroach car is, tell you why you might want one, and give you some examples of good, reliable cars and trucks that fall into the cockroach category with average prices just a little above $5,000. Hey, a good, reliable used car for a little over five grand Sounds pretty good to me. And if that sounds intriguing to you, then hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. So most people have a bad opinion of cockroaches. I mean, I get it, right? They're kind of creepy little creatures. But my first experience was actually positive. So here in the Pacific Northwest, where I grew up, cockroaches aren't as plentiful as they are in more hot and humid parts of the country. So my first proper introduction to these creatures was in a college biology class. So we had a bunch of these big Madagascar cockroaches, and every student got one to examine up close. Now, most of the time, Madagascar cockroaches just sort of crawl around a little bit, but they can have these little bursts of speed and get away if you're not careful. So we had to put them to sleep with some formaldehyde on a cotton ball so they wouldn't escape when we took them out of their container to look at them under a magnifying glass. Now, we didn't kill them. We just knocked them out for a few minutes so we could examine them up close. Now, Madagascar cockroaches are really kind of cool. In fact, I'll link to a video, a YouTube video, that shows you more about the cockroaches. Uh, In fact, I'll link to a second one (laughs) that shows you, and this is gross, um, it's a Madagascar cockroach eating contest to get into like a Six Flags in, I think it's New Jersey, I don't know. It's really gross, but um, the first one's cool. The second video, you know, you've been warned. And by the way, kids, don't try this at home. You know, eating cockroaches, it's a bad idea. Don't make it the next TikTok challenge, okay? Anyway, back to the college story. So after the class was over, we were actually kind of in a hurry. The bell rang. It was a Friday. Everybody just sort of packed up and just put their cockroach back in the little container. Didn't put the lid on it. So there's like 30 or 35 cockroaches just sitting on top of desks. And for some reason, the instructor didn't put them away. And I think the janitor came in and just kind of dumped them into a bucket, left the bucket open, didn't know if they were dead or alive or whatever. Well, these things can climb glass. So they all climbed out of the bucket over the weekend and they were everywhere by Monday. So, (laughs) you know, this brought me great joy to have giant cockroaches running around my science biology class in college. (laughs) Other people were a little freaked out, but I thought they were great. Now, when you think of a cockroach, you probably think, ooh, gross, right? And depending on where you live, these skittery little creatures can show up in places like cupboards and pantries, under your refrigerator, under your stove, basically anywhere there's a little bit of moisture and food for them to scavenge. So, yeah, they're gross, right? They also can spread disease. They carry bacteria and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I really don't recommend eating them like that video. So pass on that part. But in spite of their somewhat deserved creepy reputation as a critter, you might want to pay them a little bit more respect because in many ways, cockroaches are better than you and me. So cockroaches were around about 300 million years before humans. 
and about 150 million years before the dinosaurs. So they've been around a long time. In fact, when that big comet hit the Earth and wiped out the dinos and about 80% of all life on Earth, guess who was left standing? Yeah, cockroaches. They have some serious survival skills, and that's probably why they're so hard to get rid of when they get into your home. Now, to eliminate cockroaches, first of all, you have to find them, and they're genetically equipped from the factory to evade predators, including humans. They have these little hairs on their body that connect directly to the muscles in their legs, and these hairs can detect micro-changes in air density. So when you, say, open a door or walk into a room, they can sense that little change in air density just from you barely moving, and they just bolt. They're gone, back under the refrigerator. And those hair neurons that connect directly to their leg muscles bypass their brain completely. So you could chop off their head, and they'll still run away. Now again, kids, don't try this at home. It's kind of gross. Oh, and speaking of brains, cockroaches have two. One in their head and a smaller one in their abdomen. Oh, but wait, there's more. So cockroaches have body parts that break away when a predator grabs them so the main portion of their body can escape. That's kind of cool. We don't have that. They can eat almost anything, even like dead, decaying matter. It's kind of gross, but they can survive on just about anything. You can't starve them to death because they can go up to 45 days without food. You can't drown them because they can live for hours without breathing oxygen. And don't try to nuke them because they can take about 10 times the radiation for 10 times as long as you and I can stand. So these little guys are pretty formidable. And if cockroaches in your home don't get a lethal dose of poison from the orchid guy, they can even become resistant to pesticides. So when you think about it, cockroaches are really more than just insects. In fact, they're kind of like Jason from Friday the 13th, the Terminator, and that xenomorph thing from the Aliens movies all wrapped up into one. You can't kill them. You can't stop them. They just keep coming at you. Good thing most are only an inch or two in length, or humans would have been wiped out a long time ago. Okay, so what's my point? What's the point of all this cockroach talk? Well, the cockroach is nature's ultimate survivor. Therefore, a cockroach used car or truck is the ultimate survivor from an automotive standpoint. These are cars and trucks that have survived in spite of time passing. Now, a cockroach car is not a vehicle that has built-in survival skills or special body or mechanical parts that can take more punishment than another car. Instead, a cockroach car or truck has an external survival and protection system in the form of a loving human that ran interference to keep it in good condition for years and years. At least until they put it up for sale on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace and somebody like you and I come along and buy it, right? So what are the attributes of a cockroach car or truck? How does it become a survivor? Well, first of all, they typically have a single owner. Maybe it's family-owned, but usually it's just one single owner that loved it from beginning to end. They've also had regular maintenance. These are people who change their oil every 3,000 miles. They change their coolant every two years. They change their brake fluid every two years. They stay on top of everything. There's no deferred maintenance. If something's broken, they fix it. These are cars that are also stored indoors, typically. They're stored in a garage, maybe under a carport, but typically in a garage or some sort of enclosed area like a barn or something. They've stayed away from moisture. They're driven regularly, but sparingly, maybe two or three times a week. They're also driven carefully. There's no accidents. They have low miles for the year. 
They typically don't have any rust. They weren't driven in the snow in salty conditions. Everything works. Like I said, they've always been repaired when something's broke. They're straight. They're shiny. Their exterior and exterior look almost new. In a word, they look and operate like a three to five year old car, but they might be 20 years old, 25 years old, maybe 30 years old. That's okay because they're still like a three to five year old car in terms of condition. So how do you find a cockroach car or truck? How do you find these survivors? Well, the way I recommend doing it is what I call the serendipity search method. I've talked about it in episode 64 of this podcast, also in episode 19. It's real simple. Basically, go to Craigslist, go to the upper left corner, click off the dealer ads, and just look at the owner-only ads, and then you start to scroll down. Scroll down through the first 20, maybe 50, maybe 100 cars, depending on the size of your market, and that's going to cover everything that's been out in the last 24 to 48 hours. Typically, cars like this that are low price and a great deal, they sell within 24 to 48 hours. Occasionally, you'll find one that's, you know, lasted a week or two. But most of the time, that's how I find these cars. And what I want to do today is run through eight vehicles that I found recently, two sedans, four pickups, and two SUVs. And the average price on these was just a little bit over $5,000. It's actually stunning what you can find. Now, I wasn't looking for any specific vehicle. I was just looking for good deals on cars that were well cared for, one owner, at a reasonable price. Okay, so let's start with sedans. Now, sedans are typically the kind of car that I find in this category, this cockroach survivor category. And that's because they're sort of out of favor with the American buying public. People like SUVs. They tend to like pickups more. For some reason, they don't like sedans. But sedans could do about 85 to 90% of what most people need to do every day in their life when it comes to driving. So we have two to talk about today. Now, the first one is a 2004 Nissan Sentra. This was a one-owner vehicle. Um, it's literally in perfect condition. It's a white exterior, and again, typically on cars that are in this survivor category, you're going to have colors and features that, you know, are just sort of okay, maybe. You know, sometimes you'll find a great color, but, you know, white is what it is. It's kind of boring. Uh, it's got a tan interior. It's perfect. It's sort of a velour seat coverings. There's no rips. There's no tears. The interior looks, again, like a three- to five-year-old used car. This thing doesn't have a lot of miles. It's only 85,000 miles. This car is almost 20 years old, so 85,000 miles is low. It's in excellent condition, has ice-cold air conditioning, all services up to date, and the price is only $4,900. It's a screaming deal. Next up is a 2001 Nissan Maxima GLE. This is another sedan. It's in excellent condition. It's got low miles. It has 73,000 miles. That's really low for what is essentially a 22-year-old vehicle. It's got a $6,000 asking price, has a 222-horsepower V6. This car is in excellent condition. I mean, looking at the pictures, the thing is straight. It's got the factory wheels. It just looks good. <laughs> if I was in the market for a commuting car, something to get me to work and back, something to take the kids to soccer practice, something to travel to grandma's house on the holidays. This would be perfect. This is a great car. And 73,000 miles, that's like a five-year-old late model used car for $6,000. This was a really screaming deal and actually one of my favorite of the eight that I'm going to talk about here. Okay, next up, let's talk about pickups. 
So the first one is a 1991 Mitsubishi Mighty Max two-wheel drive pickup. In fact, all the pickups I'm going to talk about are two-wheel drive, and they're all small pickups. The type of pickup that used to be really common 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you saw them everywhere. Now you see them, and they're more like almost a quasi-classic. But this first one is a 1991 Mitsubishi Mighty Max two-wheel drive pickup. The thing that really caught my eye about this one was the price. It's $1,900, and then combined with the condition, which was frankly excellent, and it's also a one-owner vehicle. It was stored indoors. They don't use it anymore. It wasn't fancy. It's a four-cylinder, but it did have air conditioning. It wasn't automatic, so a lot of people want to have a manual, but hey, who cares? This is a great thing for driving to Home Depot to pick up a load of sawdust or load of gravel for your yard. It's a great thing for doing projects around the house. And for $1,900... Come on, that's nothing. I checked to see what it would cost to rent a truck from Enterprise for a month. A half-ton pickup was a little under $1,700 for a month. So you buy this, and within a month and a half, and you've already got it covered if you'd had to rent a pickup. Okay, the next one, 1998 Nissan Frontier Pickup. This was same family-owned. This one really caught my eye because it was so straight. It was like razor straight and perfect. Seats were perfect. Paint was perfect. Everything about it was perfect, had a bed liner. It was a manual transmission. It did not have air conditioning. It was a four-cylinder, but it's just your basic truck. If this was a Toyota pickup, same year, same condition, it would have been twice the price, close to $10,000. But in this case, it was 4300 bucks. It did have 158,000 miles, so that was higher than most of these vehicles. But not bad, 4300 bucks. Okay, next one. For you Ford fans, this is a Ford Ranger. It's a one-owner, 93,000 miles, 2,000 Ford Ranger. Clean, no issues, six-cylinder. Had a canopy on the back, matching red canopy, matched the red paint of the vehicle. Uh, had a manual transmission, no smoking, no accidents, 4500 bucks. If you need a work truck or you need a truck to throw the dogs in the back and head to the dog park, this would be perfect, $4,500. All right, here's another one. 1988 Nissan SE V6 hardbody D21 extended cab pickup. Uh, This was another one owner, had 124,000 miles. This thing had a new timing belt, water pump, head gasket, clutch, brakes, all that stuff because their son was going to drive it for like two years. They really did all that work, not because it needed it, but because they wanted it to be as reliable as possible for him. And now they're done with it and they're moving it along. And they had this real heartfelt message at the end of their ad Let me read it to you here. Basically, it says this. We are the original owners of this truck, and we used to drop off our kids to school in it and also taught our children how to drive in it. It has a lot of sentimental value to us, but to most people, it's probably just an old truck. However, to us, it really matters that it goes to a good home. We would love to find someone that will take care of it the way that we have. And the asking price? Again, (laughs) $4,800. This is probably, of all the pickups in this list. It's probably the one that I would buy because it's an extended cab. So we actually have two tiny seats behind the main seat. So you can put a couple of people in the back. It's not comfortable, but four people could ride in it, which is great. You know, if you have a couple of kids, a dog could go back there still in the cab, right? So it's got a lot of utility and I mean, the price, 4,800 bucks. Come on. Okay. That does it for the pickups. Now let's talk about SUVs. And there's two here. Both of them were great. The first one is a 1998 Jeep Wrangler TJ. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I'm a big fan of the Wrangler, especially the TJ. Uh, That was uh, episode, I don't remember, but I've covered this before back in November of last year. 
This one was a basic Jeep Wrangler. It was the, I believe, the SE model. It had steel wheels, so those were kind of funky. But it had a really lovely green with tan interior that was perfect. This people bought it brand new. A couple. They'd just driven it on weekends and enjoyed it. It was the four-cylinder model. I do recommend the six-cylinder. However, this does have the five-speed, which makes the most of the power from the four-cylinder. So it is the way I recommend getting a four-cylinder. And I would have bought this because of the condition. It had a soft top, which was perfect. It had 140,000 miles, but it was still, again, excellent condition. No accidents, well-maintained, stored indoors, $7,000. Now, if you've followed Wrangler TJs and the prices of these, this is competitive. This probably could have sold for a couple thousand dollars more just because of the fact that it's a one-owner, low-mile vehicle that's been well-maintained. And then the final vehicle is a 1998 Nissan four-wheel drive Pathfinder SE. This was a, I want to say like a navy blue color with a gray interior. This thing was perfect. It looked brand new. It was like an excellent, excellent example of the Pathfinder SE. It had a manual transmission, had four-wheel drive. It had the you know high and low four-wheel drive uh, gear set off to the side. Um, it's one family owned, super low miles. It had 69,000 miles. It's a 1998. This is 20... Six years old, 25 years old. That's crazy. But no, I mean, it was in perfect condition. Um, it said a health issue forces sale. It can't drive a manual anymore. And they were asking $7,600. I'm telling you, if this was a Toyota, like a Forerunner, this would have been $15,000, maybe $18,000. They would have been asking a ton more for it. But because it's a Pathfinder. It's a Nissan Pathfinder. For whatever reason, they're not as popular as like a 4Runner, but they're every bit as good. And who cares if maybe the 4Runner was a better vehicle in a road test back in 1998? Nobody cares today. They only care about the condition. And the condition of this was perfect. And of the eight vehicles I just talked about, this was probably my number one choice. Maybe the Wrangler, but I'd kind of want the six-cylinder. So I think I'd go for this one. Now, when you break it down, the average price of all these vehicles, these eight vehicles I just talked about, was $5,125. The average age of the vehicle was 26 years old, model year 1997. The range was from 1988 to 2004. You can find newer cars. I find a lot of, you know, a Honda Civic or a Toyota Corolla, you know, even Camrys and Accords that are in that five dollars to $7,000 range. So you can find newer cars that are like, you know, say a 2005 through 2010 that are still reasonably affordable. It's not that hard to do. I just didn't find any this round. But in spite of the age, these were all in great shape. They were like a three to five year old used car. Mileage on average was 113,000 miles. The low was 69,000. That was that Nissan Pathfinder. And the highest mileage was 160,000. And that was that Mitsubishi Mighty Max pickup. Interestingly, the lowest mileage was the most expensive car, 7600 and the highest mileage was the cheapest. That was the $1,900 Mighty Max pickup. Now, when you look at these kind of cars, ultimately, the devil is in the details, right? You have to go check them out in person. You can't just like look at an ad and go, oh, that's the one. You got to go look in person. And if possible, I would get it inspected by a mechanic. I would say at the lower end prices, like that Mighty Max pickup, probably going to find owners sort of reluctant to let you take the vehicle and have it inspected. 
If it was me, I would say, look, uh, I got like five other people who are coming to look at this thing this weekend. If it sells, then it's gone. If it's still around on Monday, you're welcome to go have it checked by a mechanic. And that's probably what you're going to run into. So you might find yourself having to make a decision like, do I really want this or not without having it checked out mechanically? So bring somebody with you who you know knows the vehicle or figure it out yourself or roll the dice. But for 1900 bucks on that low-end pickup, that's... You know, it's almost a dice roll. In fact, we did the dice roll on my oldest son's latest car. It was the Honda Accord that we bought for $1,650. It was a, I think it was like a two-owner car. It had a ton of miles on it. It had 205,000 miles on it. It now has about 220. He's put about 15,000 miles on it. It looks like it's been stolen, had a tree fall on it, and been you know scratched up. That's because it was stolen and did have a tree fall on it, and it is a bit scratched up. It looked much better when we got it, but it doesn't look bad now. It still soldiers on, 1650 bucks, And he doesn't really take great care of it, but he takes decent enough care of it, and he brings it by often enough that I can check the oil and add oil to make sure that it doesn't run out. And that's really the only thing wrong with it. It does burn some oil, but you would expect that with a car with 200,000 miles. Now, his wasn't a cockroach survivor in the same way that the ones I'm talking about here, but his was a decent car for a low price. So I want to tell you about one more before we go. This is a car that I talked about in episode 64, the Serendipity Search episode. And this was a 1987 Toyota Celica GTS. Again, a one-owner car. It's adult-owned. It was garage-capped, always maintained, no accidents, never abused, super bargain. With only 122,000 miles, the asking price was $3,800. I mean, this thing was like a near-perfect survivor that was well-loved by the same owner for 36 years. And, you know, now it's your turn or my turn to own it for basically less than the cost of, like, sales tax, title, and registration, at least here where I live in Washington, on the average used car. It was a great deal. And the reason I bring it up is, of all the cars that I've seen in the last, I don't know, three months— this is probably the one I would buy because the asking price was 3800 bucks, And this thing was super cool. They probably could have asked double. I checked on uh, bringatrailer.com and did find one that was similar that sold for $7,600. So yeah, like literally double. Yeah, it was a great car. It was a great deal. Do I cry because I missed it? Eh, not too much. <laughs> I could always eat a cockroach and get over it, I guess. Anyway, here's the point. If you can set your ego aside... You know, that part of you that wants a new car or a late model used car. If you can just set that aside and open yourself up to the possibilities and focus on letting serendipity find you a fantastic cockroach car or truck, a.k.a. a survivor that's, you know, maybe a couple of decades old but still looks and runs like a three to five year old used car, then this cockroach car search idea just might be the perfect way for you to find your next really affordable but really great used vehicle. Now again, to review that serendipity search method, go check out episode 64 and episode 19. I go over it there in more detail. And like I said earlier, there's no guarantee you'll find something great and it does take time. But if you have the time and patience, this approach can help you find those hidden gem used vehicles. So it's worth checking out. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe and follow this podcast so I can keep bringing you reviews of cool used cars, trucks, and SUVs available at a price you'll love. 
Also, be sure to join me next time as we go the opposite direction to see if there's a case to be made for buying a high-end luxury car that's several years old and at the lower end of its depreciation curve. You know, it's that dream of finding a great luxury car for a cheap price. Is that a notion worth pursuing or a nightmare waiting to happen? Well, you know, we'll talk about it. We'll explore the idea of whether buying a cheap luxury car is a good idea or not on the next episode. And until then, I'm Gary Crenshaw, this is Better Than New, and I'm really glad you came along for the ride. <laughs>